Everybody, welcome back to the Process Podcast. I am your host, Charlie Witkowski. This week, I'm riding solo. I got my good friend, our good friend, a great friend of the podcast, Mr. Banged Up Bills himself, Dr. Kyle Trimble. He joins us this week to go over all of the Buffalo Bills draft stuff. We talk about some of the key players that the Bills drafted this year in the NFL draft, talk about their injury histories for, through college, and is there really anything that may jump off the page for us as Bills Mafia to worry about them here in the pros? We even break down a few of the undrafted uh, free agents that the Buffalo Bills signed and brought in uh, at Chawit68. Nick Veronica, follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Veronica. Um, and, of course, always follow Banged Up Bills on Twitter as well, at Banged Up Bills on the old Twitter machine. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember to always trust the process. Dr. Kyle Trimble, welcome back. Appreciate you coming back on the Process Podcast. Thank you, Charlie, for having me. It's been a long time since we've talked, and I'm looking forward to talking to you tonight again. Yeah, it's been uh, been a while. I know we had a, a show recorded right around Christmas time that we had some audio issues on. We never got up, but uh, glad glad you uh, came back with us. Glad to have you back. Um, let's waste no time and just jump right into it. So we have you on tonight. We're going to talk about uh, the rookies that the Bills drafted, talk about some of the injuries that they had throughout college and how that can affect them long-term in the NFL possibly, uh, as well as talk about some of the undrafted guys. But where I want to get started with you, where I think everyone is the most curious about, is where are we right now with Tredavious White? That's a question everybody wants to know. I don't care what outlet is covering it. They all want to know where he's at and whether he's going to start week one. Um, It's still up in the air. I I don't even – I'm not even certain that the team quite knows where he's at. Like they have a definitive timeline. I'm sure they're pushing for week one, but it just depends on how he is testing out, how he's feeling, um, the objective measures they're looking at. Uh, it's a real tight timeline for him to be ready for week one because week one is usually the second week of September. You get after Labor Day. And then um, in fact, week one for us is a few days even earlier because we have the the opening game. So that's, I think it was September 8th there. So uh, his surgery was back in mid-December because they usually wait about three weeks following the original injury, wait for swelling goes down, work, work on range of motion, work on any strength they can do to get for prior to the surgery. So that's not always the case, but that's what they did in this case for Tredavious White. So you're looking at a mid-December surgery, and then nine months later is mid-September. So you're like right on that timeline. And um, they find that if you return before nine months, there's a significant increase in suffering further injury uh, to the ACL with the same side or opposite side. So they don't want to go rupturing all that uh, work and damage all the work that they've done before. So it's not saying that if you return at eight months and 28 days or whatever, it would be like, it's not like you know, there's a day's difference or whatever. It's not like once you hit nine months, it's, it's set, but you could hit that nine month mark or hit the eight month mark and then two months later tear it or something. So um, they want to be very um, cautious in, in his approach to make sure that he's not going to be problems with that. And even when he does return, we're probably going to see him be a step slower because even though he might be physically ready, there's still that catching up for the for the nervous system to understand where his body's at in space and reacting to what you see in front of him. So sometimes he's a step slower. We saw that with um, Harrison Phelps when he came back, when uh, Trent Murphy when he came back from their respective ACL tears. So I, it's really hard to see whether he's going to be ready for week one. I think they're pushing for it. I'm sure Trey White wants it. It's just whether he's going to be ready. Um, I also know one of the other questions is whether he's going to start on pop. He might start on pop, but he'll probably be activated to the active roster at some point and then be carried over to the active roster to make the 53. Um, whether he can be put on IR after that is a question I haven't been able to find answer to yet, but he could be put to the active roster and just be declared inactive as he continues working back into the swing of things. So uh, we'll, we'll know a lot more as training camp hits, um, but I expect to see him on the field at some point during training camp, and then we'll just see how it goes as it gets closer to uh, opening kickoff. What are the chances of him coming back, whether he comes up, you know, I don't want to say he comes back too early, but, you know, if they wait the the a lot of time or wait a little bit longer to bring him back, what are the chances of him re-injuring 
um, you know, that ACL throughout the season this year? There is, there's differences in the literature um, on, on how high of a risk it is to re-tear. Um, the highest risk is within the next two years following the original injury there. So I've seen rates anywhere from, you know, the low teens to upwards of 30% and somewhere in the twenties is what I usually find with most NFL specific players there. So depending on the year, the research is done, it, it varies a little bit, but it's like in the mid twenties I've seen. So, you know, your 20% chance, let's say to retear the either same side or opposite side. Um, and that's for up to the two years after that. And of course, also age is a factor. Uh, they find that when you're under age 24, there is increased risk for re-tearing. Um, and then also the type of uh, tearing too. Like he had non-contact injury, which is the majority of the ACL tears versus a direct contact, which we saw with Harrison Phillips, for example. So it there there is a risk, but I'll take a 20% chance to get all pro back on the field versus um, you know, keeping them out longer than he needs to because that first stretch of the game is, is really tough. So um, yeah. I'm not expecting him to be all pro Tredavious White at the beginning of the season. But, hey, if he can be Le'Veon Wallace, you know, replacement level, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, you know, I, I don't uh, – I'm kind of with you. I'm not expecting him to come out come out to start the season and be right back to where he was and not lose a step. But, uh, I mean, is there a chance that he gets to all pro Tredavious White by you know week eight nine ten is that something that we could look at or are we kind of counting this season as kind of like a squash and expect him back if he stays fully healthy expect him back um to all pro Tredavious white next year i'm leaning more toward all pro Tredavious white next year um once again if, if, if we get levi wallace play out of him which i mean i know people rag on the guy but he he cashed in the offseason not a huge deal but he, he was able to to cash in, and he did all right mm-hmm. at CB2. Somebody's going to be picked on the field, and it's Levi Wallace. So if you got, you know, uh, Travis White playing, I guess he's still CB1 if he once he gets out there because, I mean, he's the premier cornerback on the team. But if he gets picked on a little bit because they know he's a step slower, then, hey, if he's still producing and, you know, shutting guys down, at least lesser guys, then, you know, they're going to they're gonna scheme around these guys to, to account mm-hmm. for any – um deficiencies in secondary they've done very very good job at at that there so i don't want to say 2022 is a wash but we could probably see him be more in closer back to form in the playoffs which is the time you want him back anyway you know as closer to form as possible um compared to the beginning of season well and let's hope that he's not going to be relied on too much too early that uh you know i think outside of the rams game the bills have a fairly I don't want to say easy schedule to start the year, but you know they, they definitely have a schedule that that favors them resting Tre'Davious White as long as they need to. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not totally against. It. I mean, hell, even with the Rams game, no wide receiver threat really on that side of the ball that I'm don't have confidence in Kyrie Elam and uh, and Dane Jackson to be able to 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 carry the load there for right now. Uh, uh, maybe because, maybe Alvin Robinson, but even then, maybe he's still playing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, it's not an Odell Beckham type of situation. Mm-hmm. Robert Woods has even gone from there, so mm-hmm. um, you know, not as much of a concern there. Um, let me ask you. So, so we're talking about Tre'Davious White. Let's talk about the guy who's over the top, over Tre'Davious White, who might supply a little bit of help to him while he's still coming back and recovering. Jordan Poyer. Uh, he's been out. Had, had a bit of a shoulder issue. What What can you tell me about that? So he had a shoulder issue, and it was kind of off and on. He'd show up on the injury report like once in a while it wasn't it was ever it was a minor thing it was kind of like hey it's there he was wearing bracing at one point during the season and the practices so you knew that it was something that was kind of either kept on re-injuring the area or um it was something that was lingering and so it was one of those things like okay you acknowledge it you see it he was still playing at a very high level and then the season ended, obviously. Um, I've worked with Cover One, um, Eric Turner, Greg Thompson, Eric Quinn, all those guys over there for a long time now doing a lot of um, draft uh, analysis. And um, so I've got to be good friends with Eric, and he's knows Jordan pretty well. And he said that Jordan had partially torn his uh, right rotator cuff. I'm not sure which muscle it was in there. He didn't get that specific, but it was likely a supraspinatus, which is a commonly torn rotator cuff muscle at the top of the shoulder. So... Um, that happens often. Uh, we see where guys 
you know, have small tears in their shoulder, they can still play through the injury. And there's just something of, uh, you know, rest rehab during the week, you know, play and, and get after it there. So he didn't require surgery, thankfully, in the offseason. That would have been something that was well-documented. Uh, it would have hurt his contract talks, you know, as mm-hmm. they still working through all that stuff. But it's something that could heal up in the offseason. Um, it's not – it's a muscle, so it's going to heal up more likely uh, than, let's say, a partially torn ligament or something else like that, or a meniscus, but um, the partial tears do heal up okay. The um, rotator cuff doesn't have a great blood supply to the area as compared to some other places, but it, you know, with rest and rehab, there wasn't any concerns about that, and if there was a big concern about the rotator cuff tear, he would have had surgery like um, John, Feliciano did, John Feliciano did a handful of years ago, but it's just something worth noting because I think it was kind of like, a, hey, you played at your best level ever with a hurt shoulder all season, which I think is something notable. He, um, you know, Jordan Porter is a, a guy that I'm kind of on the fence about with the bills. Not right now. I think, yes, they need him on this defense, but I don't know if I want to pay him the money that he wants long-term. Um, but you, you're, you're absolutely right. I think him having surgery would have definitely stalled that contract negotiation that he's trying to go through um, with that. So I, I know for me, I have a, partially torn rotator cuff in my right shoulder. Um, and I know when, when I would go to physical therapy, the one thing that they always would preach to me was just find ways to strengthen the muscles around it mm-hmm. to help more or less protect it. Is that something that obviously – now, obviously he's not playing men's league hockey <laughs> and no contact. He's, he's a professional NFL player. Will that work for him the same way that it has worked for me, or is there more to it that he would have to go to to really protect that partial tear? Essentially, yes, they would have had the same approach. They'll strengthen everything else to keep the whole cuff strong so it's not other, further uh, degeneration of the uh, already partially torn muscle in there. Um, he had much more stuff at his disposal. I mean, that trading facility is is like almost mythical now in Bill's Mafia because we see so many guys either avoid injury or come back sooner, but yeah, they have yeah. a lot of the resources to help kind of just maximize tissue healing. I mean, you can't speed up biology, but there's little things you can do to help make the pain more manageable and, you know, just little things, but it still comes down to just strengthen the muscle and maximizing healing through proper nutrition, rehab, rest, and, you know, whatever the tricks of the trade they have there. So, um, I think if it was on losing team, he probably would have been on, you know, IR for a little bit or whatever else. But I mean, he, he knew what was at stake and he's going to play through whatever. And we see guys, other guys on the team play through all sorts of crazy stuff. And we only find out after the season. Could he be a guy too? And, and I, I say this knowing he's a veteran, knowing where, how players feel about the preseason for the most part, could he be a guy that maybe we don't see much, if at all through the preseason, just kind of continue to let him rest that up. At this point, it's probably fully healed up. I can't imagine he's okay. having any deficits. So I, if we're not going to see him doing preseason because he's Jordan Porter, not because he had right. a previous right shoulder injury. So that's a big it difference. Like we're stop. not going to see. Yeah. doesn't seem to be slowing, slowing him down on the golf course. God, no. God, no. You know, I see I see him golfing almost every day. So he, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be slowing him down too much there. So that that's, that's good news. That's, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone who was worried with what we just said about him and his rotator cuff, uh, you know, just go watch his Instagram videos or Twitter videos. He's on the golf course almost every other day. So, uh, and he looks fine doing his training and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, nothing too much to worry about there. Um, now, I want to jump into some of these Bills rookies. A uh, few names in particular. Obviously, got to start with the Bills' first pick at number 23, uh, defensive back Kyer Elam from the University of Florida. I was huge on Kyer Elam. You know, it's funny. We had, we did our podcast a few weeks back that we did our draft preview. We're talking about all these big names, big names. And one guy that I was so excited about that I even forgot to mention him was Kyer Elam. Cause we started getting into some wacky trades and what the bills might do and this and that. But Kyer Elam, my, my wife is a UF graduate. So we're Gators fans in this house. Uh, it's tough being Gators fans living in Georgia. You get, you do get some weird looks when you wear orange and blue out and out and around town. But uh, he's a guy that I watched a lot the last few years, really liked his game, really saw him grow into being one of the top defensive backs in the league. Um, but I do know that he's had some injuries through college. So what can you tell us about the injuries that he had and, and you know, how those may affect long-term, short-term, what do we need to watch for in Bill's Mafia? So 
actually, Kair Elam really, really suffered one injury in college from what I found. Um, I, I did his whole injury uh, analysis over Buffalo Rumlings. And now just to, before going to all the other ones, if you have any questions or want further details about this stuff, please go over to Buffalo Rumlings and find all my work over there. There's as much detail as I could find about every one of these draft picks and the undrafted free agents. Um, so we're going to gloss out over some of the bigger guys, but um if you want the specifics, go to Buffalo Romans. You're going to find it there. So uh, Kyer Elam, uh, just to go over his brief injury history, in 2018 he suffered a hamstring strain back in high school during a playoff game. And uh, the severity of it wasn't known because that that game they lost to end the end of the playoffs. And then they was done after that. Um, in college, he did suffer a right knee sprain in 2021. That was the injury that kind of lingered all season. Um, it from what I could find, it sounded like it was an MCL sprain and MCLs, they vary in terms of severity as like any other sprain does, but he, it was probably more of a higher grade than what the reports were showing. He had to miss three games and then uh, was able to return, but still you're just trying to backpedal, pivot, jump. You're trying to do everything you need to. And that knee just wasn't quite fully healed up, I'm sure. So he's a little bit slower as a result. Um, so that was the only injury. And that probably helped his stock drop a little bit, probably for the Bills, because I know the quarterbacks were coming off the board pretty fast. And the Bills had to go up and get them. So mm-hmm. um, he was cleared medically. But if if that was a difference between 2021 tape and, um, I don't know, uh some other people um, that, that, that came up there, you know, um, Sauce Gardner, for example, if, if that was a difference, Hey, we'll take Elam because the injury didn't slow him down there. So um, that's it for those injuries though. So it was just kind of slow and he, he played through that and he still played a first round pick level. Yeah. I mean, he's looked very good throughout, um, through, throughout his whole process. He looked fine running the 40 didn't have <laughs> many issues there. Uh, I thought his 40 speed was one thing that really helped propel him up the draft charge. I think coming into the draft, uh, I looked at him as more of a second round, uh, you know, mid second round type of guy. And I think his uh, pro day, obviously, and his um, um, combine really helped excel him up, up the board as one of the top defensive backs in the league. He's great tackler. Um, so I, I, I think he's going to fit right into this Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott defense. And, you know, he's got some size, which is one thing, and speed, which is one thing this defense on the outside doesn't really have a lot of. So I'm excited to see what he brings. Um, Another guy that I'm very excited about that I've also seen a lot living in Georgia, hear a lot about him, uh, is James Cook from UGA. Uh, What can you tell us about James Cook? I, I don't know too much about, you know, injuries. He wasn't really the lead guy there for a while. You had kind of a running back by committee at, at Georgia. I know there was uh Holyfield was there for a few years and, and some other guys in and out. So what can you tell us about James Cook? Once again, Cook is also very limited in his injury history. Um, I can only find the stuff from the college because sometimes high school stuff just doesn't exist and, or, you know, just depends on where they went to high school at. But 2019, he suffered a right ankle injury. Uh, he did miss the sugar bowl game. Um, it's appeared though. He suffered the injury in practice and he later opted for surgery with how some of the wording was from Kirby Smart, it sounded like he got the tightrope surgery. We've seen too often with the Alabama players. We saw Zach Moss have to get the tightrope surgery after he broke his ankle um, a few years ago in the playoffs. So like this is becoming a more common procedure to get done to help uh, stabilize the ankle. And they, the timeline for that was was unclear, but that was pretty much the biggest injury he had. Uh, in 2020, he suffered a rib injury versus Baylor in the Sugar Bowl the next year. And then in 2020, um, yeah, because 2020 was the the, the bowl game in, in mm-hmm. January. And then later in 2020 season, regular season, he suffered a right shoulder injury versus Auburn, missed a game and came back. And that sounds like it could have been an AC joint sprain, which is something we see fortunately all too common. So yep. he doesn't have some of the miles uh, on the endometer that we've seen with other backs coming out. I remember like Devin Singletary had – 700 some carries over his four years at Florida Atlantic and Cook I know doesn't have that but um he has the ability to you know play out of the backfield and you know pass catching so I think they're seeing more dynamic abilities out of him and the fact that he's been healthy up to this point should help him uh contribute greatly this season and his and not for nothing I mean I know it's obviously different players his brother's been fairly healthy you know Devin Cook I know the last few years he's had some 
some injuries that have kind of held them out. But yeah. I also the wonder thing, how much of that. Yeah, the I biggest thing how much is of that the, is them holding them out because of where he is and, and and his ability not to want to come back on a non-playoff team. Uh, very possible. Um, I know the biggest thing with with Dalvin Cook was his uh, he tore his labrum and his shoulder, which does happen. I mean, it's a it's a contact injury, and just with how he lands, I mean, that was the the biggest thing he's had. I believe he tore his ACL at some point or very early on in his career. So I mean, he's he's had his issues, but um, yeah, Cook wasn't going to return on a you know five hundred team. But if mm-hmm. it, it depends on the injury too, obviously not returning during in season during ACL tear. But your know, labrums you can play through and some other stuff like that there. So um, yeah, I mean, it seems like James Cook is more durable than Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin's mm-hmm. pretty good despite all the issues. So if he's anywhere near what his brother can do, we're going to be just fine. Well, and you talk about the number of carries and things that he, that uh, James Cook had. You know, last year alone, he only had 113 carries last season, and it was only his it was his first time uh, through his college career that he actually had triple digit carries. The most carries had before that was 45. Wow. Um, so you know, obviously, he took on more of a workload this year, his senior year, um, but did enough to get drafted in the second round. And and, and he's a guy that I, I really like as well. I like that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, really brings a new element to the Bills defense that they they really don't don't have currently with with Zach Moss and 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 Devin Singletary. So uh, I'll be curious to see how that running back battle plays out in in camp. Um, let's talk about the Bills third round pick as well. Terrell Bernard, uh, very exciting draft pick announcement for, by uh by Kyle Brandt from NFL Network. If you haven't seen it, make sure you guys go to YouTube and look it up. It was very uh, you know, jump out of your seat, let's go Bills Mafia excitement, uh, as you would expect from 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 Kyle Brandt. But what can you tell us about uh Joe Bernard? I hated doing this one. Let's put it that way. He he was a mess. He was a mess. Yeah. So um, he missed 17 games over his career at Baylor. He appeared in 45 games, which 45 is, is pretty good. Uh, but there was five years there, so he averaged you know nine. Or um, uh, I can't do math right now. I worry about it. So anyway, his, <laughs> he had he had like I said extensive medical history. So uh, 2017, he suffered a right foot fracture that requires surgery. Um, and he played two games before the injury. And then in 2018, he missed two games late in the season um, at Texas Tech at TCU. I don't have any records of what happened there with that, but it's likely an injury. 2019, he managed to play in all 14 games, but he suffered a broken right hand in November of that season. It required surgery. Uh, he played with a club on his hand. 2020, he suffered a left shoulder injury, resulting in a shoulder dislocation, labrum tear, Humeral involution of the glenohumeral ligament, glenoid fracture. Um, this all requires season-ending surgery. He only missed four games because of the COVID season with the being a smaller schedule. And then 2021, he suffered a meniscus tear and potentially his left knee that required arthroscopic knee surgery. He only missed one game. So, I mean, he'll play through injuries, but, I mean, he has been beat up. And uh, going off that shoulder injury, I was reading about this thing, and um, – I there's I won't say I, I don't know everything about this stuff, but sometimes the, the the new details, the new descriptions, you have to read up on. It's like okay, I can follow what's going on with it, but just the amount of damage he did on his shoulder, it was like wow, um, I haven't seen that clinically before. So it was it was definitely had to do some digging, and it seemed like every time I dug into Bernard, what was going on with his injury history, I was finding more and more stuff that included that broken right hand there. So it was just like. Holy cow, dude. I, I, it's amazing he kept on playing. And um, th- there are research studies out there to support, you know, your your games missing college do play a factor into your availability in the pros there. So um, he uh, – I, I just was not fun. And I, I just – I in the Buffalo Romans article, I would highlighted, you know, the Buffalo Bills medically cleared Terrell Bernard. Just let that sink in. They medically cleared him to spray everything you've just read. So he, he's, he's beat up, but – um, I will say my final point with this, the Bills take risks in third round on draft picks. I, I, I've done this the past two seasons. I've looked at it. They will avoid major injuries in the first two rounds um, in terms of when they're, they're selecting the guys they need to. Uh, fractures excluded, of course. The guy commits mm-hmm. 10 games with a broken ankle. They don't care. But if it's a ligament or you know anything major, they, they don't touch it. Third round, they're swinging for the fences. I mean, they did the Harrison Phillips, Dawson Knox. 
Um, they did that with Terrell uh, Bernard here. They will take a risk on the traits and the talent over the injury concerns, and then we'll, they'll, they see how it plays out there. So he was like, when I saw that pick come in, I'm like, this confirms what they're looking at. So any draft guys out there looking to predict what the Bills do in the future years, this is they have a formula <laughs> for this. So, you know, bookmark this, please. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for the guy who, who might have some questionable, you know, injury history. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Dawson Knox is a guy that you just mentioned. He hasn't had too many issues. I think he had the broken hand from a, you know, I don't know if he broke it on the Josh Allen throw, if I remember correctly, last year. Just or before he got like kicked or yeah. something or stepped on. It was yeah, weird, he, weird. He, something happened. Uh, but yeah, he had that broken hand. I don't remember too much Dawson Knox injury up until that. Um, hamstrings, COVID. Um, COVID. Hamstrings have been yeah. the big thing, and I think he had a concussion there somewhere. So like he he's been better in the NFL than he was in college. I mean, mm-hmm. far you know production wise, but um, it, it's real hit or miss with some of those guys. Just it's funny how it works out, and you know most of the guys translate pretty well in from the college to the pros with the injury stuff. The only exception I found was Cody Ford, who. He had some injuries in college, but it wasn't major. But then he just mm-hmm. hasn't been able to stay healthy in the pros. But I think part of it is because they keep switching him around. And that's a whole other discussion yeah. for another day. But, like, they're going to get misses. It's, it's, it is what it is. But it just it's funny how there's this patterns. I'm like, here's something there. So, um, Bernard, they're, they're looking at traits. And as I hear more and more about him on the different, you know, outlets, he's somebody who can contribute a lot on special teams and slowly work his way in the rotation in the linebacking core. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, maybe move on from Cody Ford, but that's a, like you said, conversation <laughs> for another day. Um, any of those injuries that Bernard had throughout college, or did any of those can, can any of those really linger in the pros? Is there something that we need to watch or maybe be concerned of with bringing him in? Obviously, like you said, he's banged up, but that shoulder injury to me, being a linebacker, something that really jumps off the page to me, like, um, you know, how worried do we need to be with those shoulders at this point? So his left shoulder injury, I was initially concerned when I was digging into this, but once I dug more into the specifics of the actual injury, um, just scrolling through everything here, they, they find that it doesn't, there's a little chance for re-injury. So basically he, from how I interpret it, he damaged it so bad. They put everything back together and said, Hey, this thing's not going to happen again, at least not to that level of extent there. So he could tear his labor on something totally unrelated, um, mm-hmm. another hit there, but that level of damage, they said there's a little chance for re-injury. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, chance for arthritis, but Hey, you're playing football. There's, there's going to be arthritis. Um, the, the biggest issue he might have is a, the, um, further, um, knee injuries or like because they had the meniscus tear and they likely uh cleaned out the knee just to trim out whatever the offending uh, torn piece of meniscus was uh based off the reports there so he could continue to have knee problems but once again you know hey you're gonna have knee problems in 10 years anyway or you know whatever it is so it, mm-hmm. it's okay that's fine but you're gonna play through it we see sony michelle of now i believe the dolphins he has bum knees and he's out there play and he plays a right. far more demanding position um, in terms of contact, you know, running back being versus linebacker. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you have guys much like you mentioned, you know, Dawson Knox, for example, who, you know, are, are fairly injured often, you know, I mean, Harrison Phillips is another guy. He was, he was injured a lot through at Stanford, at Stanford, you know, obviously his first couple of years in the NFL was injured a lot. And last year, I think it was his first full year healthy. Um, and he finally looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trell Bernard may be a guy that we see on and off the injury report for first couple first couple years, but you know maybe by year three it finally kicks in and he's he's fully healthy, ready to go. We'll have to see what uh, what they can do. I know you mentioned the Bills training facility, and you know really at this point you get anyone in there, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever magic formula they got in there, they need to bottle that up and sell it at Wegmans. I, I definitely think it's it's. I mean that having the resources available to them and then just the fact that they have good staff i mean they they cleaned house after mcdermott's first year you know getting mm-hmm. some different training staff in there i believe the pt's been around a bit longer um but they get guys that trust the staff and you know it just it works for them and you can see that around the, the other parts of the nfl where staffs aren't doing that well they clean house or you know mm-hmm. it just 
there's I have a bunch of different stories we don't have to get into here, but it's just you see that when you establish a good program and you have that trust, the guys are gonna go get their treatments and you know they're gonna get better and you know work with work with the team rather than trying to play for themselves. Well, and you see every time they bring a player in, whether it's for a free agent visit or a rookie, you do see them walk into that training facility like, whoa, like I've never seen a facility like this in my in my career. So, I mean, that speaks volume as well as what the, for what the Pagulas did. And, uh, you know, assuming when they built the new stadium that that is obviously going to stay where it is, you know, you can't up and move that to the new stadium. So, uh, you know, it's only going to be across the street. So no big deal. Um, so no fourth round pick for the Buffalo Bills. They moved out of that fourth round. Uh, to move up at one point. So they waited till the fifth round and they took Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver from Boise State, who a lot of people are saying may be one of the sleeper wide receivers through this entire draft. What can you tell us about him? Because he's a guy that I am very, very excited about. That's the that's the understanding I have from you know hearing everything else there. It's like you know, I've been you know, heard that if you flip Terrell Bernard and Khalil Shakir's draft position, it would have been slam dunk for both of them. But um, he de- he definitely seems like he he should have been taken a lot sooner than where he was, which is you know to our benefit. Um, looking at his injury history, he he's banged up a little bit here and there. He had left knee sprain back in 2018, left hamstring strain back in 2020. Um, in 2021, he has had surgery for a foot fracture. Uh, it was a cracked metatarsal um, in the fifth digit. So it wasn't Jones fracture per se, but it was in that same location, just higher up in the shaft there from uh, the reports I'd found. And then he had a leg injury last year, but he didn't miss any games with that. So really the biggest thing was the foot fracture. Um, and he, he played through with all that originally suffering week two and he just taped it up all season. So, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's a tough dude too. Um, and the foot fractures don't really occur again because I know that we have a, uh, prior understanding of the Jones fractures, those can cause problems like we saw with Sammy Watkins, but his was a different location. It was more just a break of the actual shaft of the bone and it healed up with surgery and, you know, it shouldn't be a concern moving forward with him. So when, when you talk about foot fractures, I mean, that's something that, you know, throughout the year, it, whether it's, and I'm not saying obviously like, we, well, like what you said, probably won't happen again, but with any player, I think this can go across the board. With a foot fracture, it's something they tape up and maybe take a shot of something before the game, I would assume, to kind of help help with that pain. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's what he did when he was at Boise State. You know, yeah. just kind of gutted out there. I'm sure it hurt, and it probably just was more – I want to say – because I'm sure it was trying to heal up, and it wasn't fully healing up because I'm sure he was just, you know, keep on beating up on it. But right. it was probably just more really sore, and it really just kind of hurt him if he had to, you know, cut off of it or if he jumped up and down on it but i mean hey he got it out and you know he got yeah. to they got to the mountain west championship game i'm sure off the play his play because of how he played through all that yeah he, he's a great receiver you know again he's a guy that's going to bring some speed to this offense as well which is something we've mentioned on our previous podcast that really this offense was really missing so you're adding a guy like james cooker and a guy like shakir both guys are going to bring some serious speed to a i don't want to say a speedless offense but an offense that you know an elite offense that just got better by adding a lot more speed. Um, now, this is a guy, Kyle, I, we're going to talk about the six-round pick punter, Matt Ariza. I said on the last podcast that we did that if the Bills drafted him, I would be jumping up and down on the table, and I sure as hell did when they announced him. I was very excited for them to bring punt God to Bills Mafia. He is a Bills Mafia guy through and through. I'm hoping that he has a great training camp and can meet and can can can, can beat out uh the current punter on the roster. because uh, let's face it, as as little as the Bills punted last year, punting was an issue when they did punt. Uh anything that worries you or jumps off the page about punter, punt God himself, Matteriza. Absolutely nothing. He had no injuries in college. Great. 35 games. Um, I know he was very physical getting down the field, you know, trying to get tackles and whatnot. I know he's trying to protect his his uh, averages and everything else, but he had nothing. I remember at one point somebody goes, this is clickbait. It's like, no, I did the research for this, but he just didn't have anything, which is pretty typical. When I did the injury analysis for Tyler Bass, he didn't have anything either. But sometimes you get some guys here and there, but, you know, mm-hmm. Ariza doesn't have anything, and that's that's fine with me. 
Great. Sign him to a 15-year contract. Let him stay with the Bills forever. Let him be the punter. I feel like Bills Mafia is going to get one look at this guy in a Bills uniform and just be like, where have you been? Like, th- th- this is going to be the next punter that we're going to see jerseys of throughout the throughout the stadium. I think Brian Mormon was really the first one that I remember seeing fans wearing punter's jerseys. Ariza's going to be – I may be the one wearing the punter jersey two Bills games. I, I may be that guy, and I'm not afraid to say it. So very excited about that pick, as you can tell. <laughs> um, not really – anything with, with with the last three picks of the draft between Christian Benford, uh, Luca Tunta, or uh, – Balen Specter that really jump out of you that we we need to talk about with either of those guys? Not a ton with Benford. He was real hard to find. He was playing at a smaller school. And I, mm-hmm. I this is a general statement when I say this. Smaller school guys are incredibly difficult to find information on. They're just they don't have the resources um devoted to their reporting. So it's like unless there's a major injury, they're not reporting on. So Benford I don't have a ton of stuff on, but he would seem like he was okay. Um, we'll go to Luke Tenuta. He didn't have a ton of stuff either. Um, let me just pull his sheet up here. Um, he had had COVID in 2020 and a lower body injury. He missed a game, but like there wasn't anything with him either. He's, mm-hmm. he's a pretty durable guy. And then Balen Spector, um, he was also a pretty durable guy. He did have a shoulder injury. Uh, he did require surgery in 2020. And then he played, he played all of 2020 and 2021 with the, uh, Shoulder harness on the same kind of shoulder harness we saw Matt um, Matt Milano play with uh, when he suffered his pectoral uh, tear. So I know he played the through the injury, which was probably likely a, a labral tear, and then he probably just played with the brace on for comfort, just protect his shoulder as mm-hmm. he's heading into his senior year. And then he had knee inflammation, right hand fracture, you know, in, in the bowl game. But like he played during the East West Shrine game, which doesn't matter at all. He played with the cast on because he wanted to ball out, and I'm sure that played a part in mm-hmm. his toughness and getting drafted. So like, there's no concerns with any of those guys. In fact, really, the only guy that we had any concerns about was Bernard, and we discussed him. Right, right, yeah. It, it's it's uh, crazy that you know, much like you said, that third round pick always seems to be the pick that. Uh, you know, Brandon Bean says, look, this is the guy. I like him in the third round, but, you know, he's got some injury history. Let's just take a chance. We've seen it in the last few years. Um, but really good drafting, I thought, by Brandon Bean. Really didn't bring any guys in with any kind of red flags, whether it's on or off the field, uh, you know, injury-wise or anything like that. So um, very happy with with how Brandon Bean played. Really let the board fall to him. Um one other guy I want to talk to you about, I know we don't talk too much about undrafted free agents. The Bills did sign a few guys. Um, one position of need to me that I thought that they didn't address during the draft that they did address um, in in UFDAs was uh, tight end. I thought that there's definitely a need for a tight end three at some point on this roster, whether or not he makes the 53 man or not. Uh, I could see him maybe being, being a practice squad guy, but that man I'm talking about is Jalen Wandemir, the tight end from Texas A&M. Uh, he's a guy to me, Kyle, early on in, in the in the season, I thought he was a lock for, you know, second, maybe fall as low as the third round, but not falling this far and falling to, a, to an undrafted free agent. Anything on him that may have stood out that may have caused him to drop that far? Nothing injury-wise. Uh, the only mm-hmm. thing he had w- in 2021 was he sliced his uh, tendon in his finger in a freak accident. I don't know what the accident was. That was just Ooh. reporting that they said. During the spring of 2021, he required surgery, missed the spring practices, but no regular season games. Um, he still played and was you know, still considered a higher draft pick or a what would have been a higher draft pick. So I, I think I was hearing more of the pro day stuff. Uh, Damon mm-hmm. Talbot of NFL Draft Diamonds was on cover one the other day, and he was talking about he just he didn't test well and other stuff like that there. So I think it's more just the testing and the other things with that, but injuries didn't cause him to drop like we saw with, uh, you know, some other guys in the draft, unfortunately. So um, Widermeyer, I don't know. I mean, if he drops, we see guys every year that drop for whatever mm-hmm. reason to make teams because they're just, you know, they beat out guys when, when the lights are on, I guess. Well, let me ask about one of those guys who – uh, injuries really caused him to caused him to drop quite a lot. Uh, you know, a guy who at one point was talked about probably being the best receiver in this draft class, who had some freak injury 
a few years back. Obviously, he didn't sign with Buffalo. Uh, he was another guy that I was that I was high on, especially as an undrafted guy for Buffalo to possibly bring in. Um, but that is Justin Ross, the kid out of uh, Clemson, the wide receiver. I mean, man, he is – he's everything that you'd want in a number one receiver, in my opinion. He's a guy who was sitting there undrafted free agent, and unfortunately Kansas City went out and got him. The kid's got some blazing speed. But what can you tell us about him, his injury, what effects that could have on him long-term? Because he may be a guy in the AFC that we may have to deal with for years to come. He was a mess. He, I mean, he was he was just a real mess. Um, I mean, we can get the neck injury thing a little bit there, but, I mean, he had – you know, ACL tear, he had broken foot, um, you know, MCL sprain. I mean, he had some pretty major injuries, which cost him a lot of time in high school and college. And then he had like a general neck fusion, which he couldn't have controlled for. I mean, basically what happens is two of the bones in the in the cervical vertebrae in the neck fused together naturally. That was just how he was born. There wasn't anything, you know, the family could control, you know, it wasn't any surgical procedures. Just they didn't even notice anything was going on until he was suffering uh stingers and, and practices and then they finally did some imaging and said hey we found this here and it's amazing he was playing at such a high level um despite the fusion i mean the fusion itself wasn't causing like wouldn't prevent his athletic abilities from shining but sometimes things pop up where you get medically retired i guess is the best way to put it so he's able to go through all stuff and then you know he had to miss the entire season season um some of the details were funny of what happened. Like it was very vague when I was doing my research on him. Um, they did confirm that he did get a fusion um, in the area. Like Siri had natural fusion and then he had fusion where the stingers were occurring there. So he's now had two cervical fusions, one naturally, one, you know, surgically. So you look at two cervical fusions in the vertebrae and you have seven vertebrae. Um, for most of the research, I found that you could play with one cervical vertebrae being fused. We see that often. DK Metcalf's a nice example. There's plenty of other ones. And then once you start getting two, then it starts getting a little risky because you lose, begin to lose mobility of the neck, mostly the side bending forward, bending backwards, uh, some rotation. And then three, it's like no one's going to sign off on you because you're not going to be able to you know, turn around and you know see if anybody's hitting you. And then there's mm-hmm. the worry about paralysis. And, you know, we're not talking Kevin Everett, you know, bad because that was a whole nother deal with that um but we saw aaron williams he had different neck injuries but that forced him to end his career prematurely and it was just too much of a risk for everybody you saw that that was the reason why i dropped down the, the draft boards and i i don't even know if he's gonna make the nfl just based off of some of the stuff i've been reading from people far smarter than i am i'm sure they're giving him a chance to see, you know, let him work out see how the nfl stuff goes but i don't know whether they're gonna let him play you know, and NFL games, maybe they, they're comfortable with it. They brought them in the training camp, but they're also, or OTAs, but they're also not doing any contact right now. So right. Um, I don't think it's going to be terrorizing the NFL for a while. I mean, the talent alone allows them to, but it just, I don't think his right. health is going to. And, you know, I don't think the NFL wants to deal with a lawsuit. Hey, this guy could have been paralyzed and we let him play anyway. So is he a guy, I don't know how familiar you are with the Jack Eichel stuff and, and his injury and the surgeries and everything that he had. Is he a guy who would be a candidate for what Jack Eichel went through and, and that type of surgery? I mean, it seems to have worked out okay so far. I know it's only been, you know, a half a season that Jack played with this new spinal surgery, but we've seen it done with guys in the UFC who take a lot of bumps and things like that. Could that be something that you see uh, Justin Ross go through? Um, that's a good question. I did do a lot of work for Die by the Blade on Jack Eichel. Um, so if you want to discuss that, we could. But the uh, thing with Justin Ross, uh, they, they find, and I, I agreed with what the Sabres were saying with Eichel too, that the fusion was the safest option because that, that allowed you to get back on the ice sooner for Eichel and provide the most stability over time. Um, I, I do like the idea of the artificial disc that Eichel did have being the future for that. And he's going to be a nice test case for future athletes to say, Hey, this guy did it. He's playing fine. And, you know, the violent nature of football, I don't know whether it's ever going to happen, whether it's lumbar or cervical, but in terms of overall health, it's going to be far better. Just whether it's going to withstand the rigors needed to play football. So uh, Ross could be a candidate down the line if he continues to have issues, because we know that fusions, um, when they occur, the levels above and below those areas usually start having some type of degeneration, uh, requiring future further further sur- surgeries. So um, 
it's too soon to tell for Ross, but that that's possible. But bringing up the ankle thing is a good thing um, to consider. But I think we'll see more of those in the future, just on a case by case basis. Yeah, you know, you, you again, you know, it seems to have worked out okay for for Jack Eichel so far in the league. It, it's you just wonder if if you see that carry over to other sports at this point, you know. Um, but we'll we'll see how how Jack fares in you know two three years from now, right? We we really don't know. Um, hockey is a much different sport than MMA. You know, you're not always taking a bump in M- MMA. You're not always getting hit from behind in the NHL. So, you know, anything's possible there. Uh, Kyle, before we let you go, any other guys on that the Bills brought in as far as undrafted free agents that you feel like we should know about or talk about or any guys jump off the page to you, um, you know, injury-wise that maybe something we need to watch through training camp? Not really that's going to cause any problems. I mean, some of the offensive linemen had different injuries. Uh, Derek Kersetter of Texas, um, he had a pretty nasty dislocation and fracture of his left ankle in 2020. He came back and played the next year. Um, that was probably the biggest injury out of all of those other ones. But mm-hmm. most other guys just had little dicks, you know, bumps, bruises, some COVID stuff. Um, you know, n- nothing of concern. But, I mean, with how deep the roster is, it's, it's going to be hard for a lot of these guys to make the roster. But – We'll see them on practice squad, at least some of them. One more question for you. Um, I still feel like the Bills can possibly look at upgrading wide receiver position at some point throughout the year. The guy who jumps off the page is obviously Odell Beckham. Given that injury when he got it in February, I believe you're looking week eight, week nine, before he can even come back. Um, I mean, what are the chances, again, wide receiver versus what Tredavious White was going through at defensive back? What are the chances that Odell Beckham comes back as 100% Odell Beckham at week nine, you know, week eight, week nine, week 10 even, that Buffalo says, look, let's just take this guy for six weeks and, you know, set, well, what is it now? It's an 18-week season. Let's go and get, get this guy for eight weeks and make a playoff run with one of the best receivers in the league. I wanted to say zero, but I didn't want to be rude to him. I mean, Odell's Odell, but he's a he's a talent. I, I would say like 5%. And the reason I say mm-hmm. that is because he suffered this thing in mid-February – you're looking at, you know, mid-season where he can come back, where he's on that that borderline, that that timeline, where, you know, that nine-month stretch there. So it's like you're just being cleared to play football now at, at mid-season. And then we even saw when he originally suffers ACL tear, it took him a good year plus to even get back up to some semblance of what he was before. So I think he's probably going to sit out there, and this is an original thought. I think it's got from Pro Football Doc um, and maybe some other people too, where he's probably going to sit out there and wait and rehab and get right, and then you know find whoever he can play for and try to chase another ring. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I could see the Bills. They, they they do take risks on free agency. I mean, they that's one area where they'll say, I don't care how beat up a guy is if he can be cleared medically and can play, what sign him. So um, I couldn't discount the possibility of that it just i don't know i i, I if if he's going to come play for bills it's going to be closer to later in the season and for the playoffs and just be a kind of an extra body in case versus somebody who's gonna be a game changer um like mm-hmm. he has been in the past yeah he's just a guy that i i just keep waiting to see what's going to happen with him i know you know the rams are looking at bringing him back i also know that he's a guy given you know eight nine ten weeks left in the season you can bring it for fairly cheap and just let them finish out the year. Like you said, chase a ring somewhere. Um, you know, Buffalo may be that be that place for him. But we'll have to see what happens when we get there. You know, uh, the wide receiver room in Buffalo does scare me a little bit. You know, Davis goes down. Diggs goes down. You know, you don't have much behind that to, that, that defense you're going to have to worry about. So it uh, does worry me a little bit, but we'll have to see what happens when we get there. Dr. Um, Kyle, anything for us? Um, I think the only other guy we missed was like Bacher. Just talk about the mm-hmm. surgeries yes. there. Um, I I only highlight him because he's still working back in his rehab. Um, not that I stalk players, but I did see him come up on my feed on Instagram a few times. He's still wearing that boot on his uh, left foot, but I want to put some things in context. As other people have seen the pictures, um, I, two pictures I've seen him wear boots in is when he was reporting OTAs in, in mid-April. Um, he had surgery in. I think at the right beginning of the new year. So he was just at that, that timeline where he was getting out of the boot and then he was 
it seemed like he was at a wedding um, over the weekend. So both those activities required a lot of activity there, you know, walking distance from the parking lot to the facility in April. And then being at a wedding, you're dancing, walking around a whole lot. He was likely protecting the ankle, um, you know, the Achilles healing area, not to get irritated. So um, seeing the boot did worry me slightly, but he's just probably protecting the area and trying to make sure he's not overdoing it in that, in that sense so um he's looks like he's probably still on track to re return back for training camp might start on the pup list and then kind of work his way in but i think at this at best this year he's gonna be a reserve guy and then maybe get some more playing time if injuries occurred later half of the season but um the fact that the bill signed him to another one-year contract tells me that they're pretty confident he's gonna at least be able to play at some point during the 2022 season yeah you know really hope so he's a guy that uh nick and i were both pretty high on uh, last year, you know, I, I thought he had a, a pretty much of a breakout year. I mean, he, he more or less ran John Feliciano out of the building, you know, for that better term between him and him and Ryan Bates both played very, very good football. Um, so not sure if you heard John Feliciano's comments. I did the other day. I listened to it today. Made. Yeah. Quite, uh, not what I would expect from him, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all in all, he's in New York. He's he's playing for well New Jersey, playing for for the Bills of the NFC at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they're building a pretty good team over there. I'll be curious to see how Daniel Jones does, uh, but he's moving to center. John Feliciano, um, kind of an interesting move. He said he wanted to do that on the podcast, and um, I know the only controversial comments he had were just talking about how he was more mad that he lost his starting spot because of the injuries and stuff like that, and. When I, when I looked at everything and listened to the comments, because he was like, you got what you deserved. But mm -hmm. I understand he was saying, hey, if, if I had been starting, things could have been different. And of course, that's all hypothetical. But, right. um, you know, he's, he he wasn't going to be starting for Mitch Morris. They pay him all that money. And the only reason he got starts at center is because of injuries to Mitch Morris. So if he has the opportunity to play center and he can be the best guy out there, you know, go for it. You know, he's he's getting paid too much at that guard position anyway. So, um that's the nice thing about the capitalism or at least with the NFL, you can go where you want to and, you know, mm -hmm. do what you need to do. And if you think you do it better somewhere else, go for it. He definitely wasn't the guy that I felt was going to jump off the page as a center in Buffalo. Like I thought he was okay, but he wasn't a guy that just was, Oh my gosh, like dump Mitch Morris and, and, and bring Feliciano in and let him be center forever. Like <laughs> Mitch Morris is still the guy, man, still big, big Mitch Morris fan here as well. So Happy to see him still being around. Uh, here's another guy real quick. I know we'll, we'll let you get going. Mitch <laughs> Morris had some injuries the last couple of years. Anything that we need to worry about with him going forward? I know he finished the year just fine. So um, concussions? He, the concussions are the biggest thing with him. I mean, he, he's had a little nicks and bruises that he's played through, but the concussions continue to be my biggest concern because they're cumulative over time. But um, he's shown that he – he's been able to play through things and he's at peace with everything. So I think he's just going to play until the wheels fall off, not saying he's going to be, um, be unsafe out there, but he, he can't control what the past history was. And he's only had, I believe two concussions since he's been here. He had the one in the training camp when he first signed with us. And then he had one, it wasn't last year's year before. Cause it was, it, he, he sat out, I believe the, the Cardinals game. Yeah. Cause that was mm -hmm. the, the Hale Murray thing. So he sat out in that game. He, he suffered the concussion was cleared and then sat out. They gave him an extra week, which was interesting at the time. So he's been pretty, he's been more durable here than he was at Kansas city. And I know Kansas city has a great training staff as well there. So I think it just comes down to how it happens, but um, they're doing everything they can to, to make sure right. he's healthy and, he's he's at peace with what's going on yeah i like like him a lot i uh you know always hope that he stays healthy because you know that bill's offensive line they got quite the um quite the connection going so i you know the more healthy he is the better um dr kyle appreciate you coming on with us tell everyone where they can find you on twitter find you on buffalo rumblings you know Share your stuff, man. <laughs> uh, th thanks for having me on, Charlie. I enjoy talking with you and Nick. It, it's been fun, um, you know, talking with you guys over the past few years. And I, I really enjoy doing this stuff. I mean, if you said we got to talk for another hour, I'd, I'd talk for another hour. <laughs> I, I, this is, 
this is what I enjoy doing. So um, I, I should probably start writing this down because I'm at, it seems like everywhere. So <laughs> let's go over memory, what I can do here. So I run the, uh, the site bangedupbills.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at bangedupbills. Um, I do work for the game day, which is a sports betting website. So I'll, I'll cover um, the football during the season. I'll, I'm doing baseball right now. Um, I'll cover some NBA stuff. Um, I've done some work for Die by the Blade, uh, specifically on the Jack Eichel injury stuff and some other things. Um, I do draft work for Cover One, so you can find the past few seasons of different guys or high-profile uh, injury concerns. Um, I also do a blog for a PT site, TherapistToolkit.com. Um, I also did a um, assisted with the research and um, publication of the rookie injury guide for the fancy headliners. Um, that was a pretty cool project. That's where I got a lot of my data from for the uh, Bills um, injuries uh, this season. So I'm doing everything and everything regarding football injuries and whatnot. So um, if you're looking for something, I probably got something on it. And if I don't, <laughs> well, I'll probably point you to where you can find it. So I think it's everything. I probably still miss something, but hey, I, I like doing this stuff and that that little snippet was just evidence of that yeah you know it's funny when when nick and i were talking about who to have on for our our, our post draft discussion i said you know well you know kyle did a lot of great stuff on his being the bills twitter page uh with the draft picks and all that stuff so i wanted to have you on talk about those draft picks talk about some other guys obviously talk about Tredavious white where we are but if you're not following kyle on twitter follow him uh at banged up bills on Twitter, a great follow, always good follow, especially uh, game days, breaks down what's going on on the field, what we see if a guy goes down, breaks down really what he can see. Obviously, unfortunately, I think they need to give you like some special cameras for on-field so, so we, we can get a little bit better views. But Kyle's just kind of tweeting whatever CBS or Fox is showing him on TV. So appreciate all, all the work you do there, Kyle. Real, you mentioned you do some work with MLB and NBA. Where should my money go this year for MLB and, and NBA? Uh, MLB, um, I haven't been following the NBA stuff as much. I'm not doing the work right now for that, but I've done it in the past. Um, but I, I keep saying like the Heat is being a possible. Um, yeah. Warriors, I, I, I haven't been following as much. I just, those are the big names I've been seeing. MLB, I know the Mets have been beat up a lot with regards to injuries. I know Max Scherzer's went down. Uh, Jacob DeGrom has dealt with his uh, stress reaction and his scapula, but they're they're deep. They're still dominant despite all the injuries. And they had their catcher out with a handmade bone fracture. Um, my money has been on them. I like them a lot. The Dodgers have obviously been a, a great team to be um, putting some money on. Uh, the Yankees have been surprised. My money was on Toronto uh, when I was doing all this stuff. Um, Early money was on the White Sox too for me, but they've kind of faded a little bit. I think just, I don't know, sometimes you get into the deep part of the schedule and it doesn't happen as much there. So, um, Mets and Dodgers have been for me the biggest ones. I've been like, I'm just hammering them home. And then Toronto to a lesser extent, but they just can't keep up with the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, uh, Toronto, I think, can make a run late. I really like, uh, really, really like the Dodgers. You know, I don't. I'm a Braves fan, so seeing Freddie Freeman go there was a little heartbreaking to me. Um, but before I let you, I got to ask you about you talked about baseball. I got to ask about my boy <laughs> Ronald Acuna. When are we going to see him back in the field? Right now, they just got him playing that DH, kind of easing him back into uh, uh, you know easing him back into baseball here. But he's looked okay hitting the baseball. When are we going to see him in the field again? It's a good question. Um, the fact that hitting and DH doesn't require as much stress to the knee as why he's DH in. I can see him probably returning the field uh, more so probably after the all-star break would be pretty reasonable because that'd be about a year out from the surgery and for the original injury. So that's my best guess. Um, I, I believe I've read that he's been kind of getting some spot playing time here and there, but not full game in there. And I know it's like, you think he'd be able to stand out in the outfield because there's a lot of standing, but all of a sudden you need to go and mm -hmm. you need to dive. Or they, they don't want to risk it. So I, I don't blame him for just DH and um, which helps with uh, the universal DH and everything this year. But um, my guess is the all-star break and, you know, maybe, maybe the bears make another run there. I don't think so. I mean, no offense to you, but I just, I, yeah. it's hard to repeat in any sport. So I just don't think that's going to, they're going to do that. So. It is. It's hard to repeat, and I think, uh, you know, it's funny. This time last year, I remember cussing at the TV because their bullpen was just complete shit. 
And here we are again, same time of year, because of the TV, because their bullpen is complete shit. So I'm hoping that their bullpen fixes their issues at some point because they got they got some of the best starting pitchers, young starting pitchers in the league. And then you throw Charlie Morton in there. I think they have a really good pitching staff. Just the guys out of the pen, man, they kill me every single week. Every single game just kills me. Uh, they they should have won at least five or six, maybe even ten more games. The bullpen didn't blow blow those victories for him. So, um, anyway, I could talk baseball all day. <laughs> Nick's going to be jealous that he wasn't on here to have a little bit of baseball talk because he would talk your ear off about the Yankees forever. But, Dr. Kyle, we appreciate you coming on. Again, if you're not following him on Twitter, Instagram, or any of that stuff, follow him at Banged Up Bills. Great follow. Always appreciate you coming on. Uh, Dr. Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Dr. Kyle Trimble, we really appreciate you joining us today. Appreciate you coming on the podcast to break down everything uh, with the Buffalo Bills draft picks this year. We know it's kind of going into the slow part of the offseason, so we'll be ripping off some podcasts here as uh, as the offseason goes along. Probably do a nice uh, recap for you guys come Stanley Cup season. Definitely going to talk about the Sabres season at some point this year. I know that's Nick's favorite thing to do. But we got to break down what the Sabres did this year and what their outlook might look like going forward. But you guys keep it locked here. Remember to follow, like, subscribe. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to always follow the Process Podcast on Twitter at the underscore Process Pod. Myself on Twitter at Chowit68. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Veronica or on Facebook uh, at by Nick Veronica. Remember, most importantly, folks, love one another. We're all in this together. Remember to always trust the process.